All right, hello and welcome to Unqualified Analysis. The show with zero qualifications, zero credentials, and zero idea that he's not even holding the fucking mic at this point. I mean, Jesus Christ, here we are. Um, also, about five seconds into the podcast, already swore, so that's already out the window. Hey, today, a little bit of a uh, different episode. It's a headlines episode. You know what it is. It's all all NFL headlines, obviously. I mean, only, only one thing at a time. I can't do NBA and NFL at the same time. What kind of multitasker do you think I am? No, no, no. That's not how this is going to work. Uh, just a bunch of uh, NFL headlines since we didn't get to any on Monday or, I guess, Tuesday, whenever y'all heard it. Um... Also, shout out to my boys, Mississippi State Basketball. I mean, played them tough, got to overtime versus Missouri, but uh, still lost there. So, not great, but home game coming up versus Texas A&M. We still got this, baby. We still got this. Um, I believe still waiting on the women's next game. Um, Going to be following that very closely as well, even though I already, I mean, just flitted out of my mind uh who would also i think it might be missouri that that'd be that'd be some wild serendipity there but uh yeah enough uh enough beating around the bushes they say let's get into some headlines shall we uh just nfl style obviously i've been we've been over this before just nfl headlines here and this will be a little bit more unstructured pod than uh usual just because I, I aggregated some headlines, I found some stuff I think I can talk about, but ultimately the goal of yesterday was to get some behind-the-scenes work done. You will see the fruits of that here in just a couple short weeks here, I would imagine, but for now, just know, I mean, I'm getting the YouTube channel all updated, I downloaded some software, getting some stuff in place for a streaming setup, you know what, I'm... I might be built, well not might be, I'm going to be building a PC in the next month or so, that doesn't have anything to do with you, but I'm excited to get get into that and see what happens there. Um, all that is to say, um, big things coming in the next couple weeks, but also, not a whole lot of uh, legwork as far as notes and stuff are concerned in this episode, so I got you the headlines, hopefully I can stretch this to an hour and some change and not go overboard, make it like two and a half hours, but uh not a whole lot, not a whole lot of um, structure in this one. Going to be a lot of creative flow here, ladies and gentlemen. So let's just get into the first headline and stop. Uh, like I just said, beating around the bush. Did it for another minute or so there. Um, first off, Eric Bieniemy will be the next offensive coordinator and assistant head coach for our favorite red team, the Commies. Trades in one shade of red for a slightly darker one. Coming over to the dark side, as they say, uh, which seems a bit literal with Dan Snyder there as the owner. For now, we'll have to see if that uh, persists for the next uh, month and change. But a lot of people I hear asking, and it's a it's a fair question to ask, given that he's really been the the main play caller. I mean, Andy Reid seems to tap in every now and again. Um, not sure. I'm sure there's a there's a bit of a, a science to it. Um, probably more field than science, just because this is football at the end of the day. But Eric Bieniemy has been the main guy calling plays over there in KC, and a lot of people asking like, hey. Anyone else in this position, I mean, Matt, Matt Nagy, for God's sake, the guy that's going to take over, uh, your offensive coordinator for the best offense in the league, um, best quarterback in the league, that guy should be a head coach, right? Obviously, that's that's a fair question. And, you know, he's been <laughs> a bunch of interviews. Now, this is, this is something I've heard brought up over and over as well. I... What, I don't know what he, he must be the worst interview of all time because he's brought, been brought in for like 17 head coaching interviews at this point. You'd think at least one of them would like him. And he's brought been brought in for second interviews too. Like, I don't know, maybe he's just not a great in, in the room guy, but he is a very good uh, football coach. I think more than anything at this point, why this needed to happen and why he was just going to bump up against, uh, for lack of a better term, a glass ceiling up until he got this thing done and made a move was... At the end of the day, if you're working under Andy Reid, Andy Reid's going to get the lion's share of the credit for how the offense does. Basically, no matter, I mean, no matter if you're calling plays or whatnot, obviously it was a little bit different for Matt Nagy, but Matt Nagy was a little bit better interview, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten the Bears job, I'd imagine. So, I don't know. It, it feels like something where... I don't know if he, maybe he would have gotten a head coaching opportunity with the Chiefs there, but I think he needs to go out on his own and prove that he can institute, well, I mean, it will be, to a, a very large extent, Andy Reid's scheme because of how much time he spent with Andy Reid, it, but it's also, I think a lot of teams want to see 
what kind of flavor does Eric Bieniemy put on it when he is the head guy? He is the guy coordinating the offense. He doesn't have to defer to Andy Reid anymore. I mean, Ron Rivera, you, you see it right there in the title, assistant head coach. Ron Rivera just said, hey, I'll worry about the defensive side of the ball. You get the job done on the offense. We won't have any problems whatsoever. The, the situation he's walking into, a little bit difficult, but he's got a pretty low bar to clear from what they did last year. They're going to have, they're going to be moving on from Carson Wentz. I would imagine he's going to get cut here in the next couple days as the, the window just opened. Um, Sam Howell, don't really, bit of an unknown commodity. I think he could be a good addition. I mean, he, Legs, I mean, obviously, sneaky athletic type of guy because he's a white guy that can run. Um, but really, he, he can run. I'll tell you what. And he's he was accurate in college, had a bit of a down year his last year in college, but put up very good numbers, absolutely ran all over the ACC, which is obviously not the biggest achievement in the world. But he was thought of as maybe a top 10 pick before his final year in college. So I think Andy Reid's got... He's got that, I mean, yet to be seen, unknown commodity at the quarterback, but you look at the weapons over there in Washington. I mean, think about Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin. Uh, they got a good tight end over there and Logan Thomas. Um, ah, who's the guy's name? Out of Penn State last year, the, the wide receiver they just drafted. Name is Jahan Dotson. That's the guy. He absolute freak out there, great jump ball receiver, and if he just fills out the route tree a little bit more, I mean, they got a very, very good group of dudes out there to throw the ball to, spread the ball around, and that was before I even mentioned Antonio Gibson. I mean, by, my God, Brian Robinson, guy got shot in the leg, played only a couple weeks into the season. Tis merely a flesh wound. I've had worse. The guy had a gunshot, got back in the locker room, and ultimately ended up about 50-50 carries-wise with uh, Antonio Gibson back there. I'm sure for, for no other reason than for play. Couldn't possibly be for the fact that Antonio Gibson's going to have to be uh, paid soon. Couldn't Couldn't possibly be that possibility at all. But still... That's all to say, solid group of backs there in the backfield as well. Um, truthfully, I don't know much about the offensive line, but it's it's a group that I think is a bit more maligned than it, it really deserves, quite frankly. And I think if you just get a guy like Eric Bieniemy in there, if he is as good as he seemed to be down in, in KC, which I have no reason to question that at all, I think he's going to step in and do very, very good here. I think you step into this situation and you can make a little bit of something out of nothing here and parlay this into a head coaching opportunity. At this point, if he doesn't get a head coaching job at this point, I mean, all hope is lost. I don't understand. I, I get maybe not a great interview or, or whatnot, maybe not the best in the room guy for, for whatever that means. But if he steps into this situation all on his own and does, I mean, even a reasonable facsimile of what he did in KC, this is going to be, I mean, he, he deserves a head coaching opportunity. No no question about it. I think he already probably does, but to, to clear that last hurdle, he does need to come in here and have some success. I think he will do that when it's all said and done. Um, next one up, Jonathan Gannon. Another shade of red here. I mean, we're just jumping from shade of red to shade of red to another different shade of red. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, lands his top choices for offensive and defensive coordinator and that is uh Browns QB coach Nick Petzing he will be the offensive coordinator and Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rollis will be the DC in Arizona as well so there you have it right there other big news that came out I mean this is just late breaking to here just about an hour ago I believe it was Adam Schefter who said Nick Rollis will be calling plays as DC Jonathan Gannon will take a more man managerial role on the sidelines there you go there's there's the uh there's the the gist of it right there but that is big news for as much as i got into the the joking announcer tone there i mean that is i think when you become a head coach unless you are i mean a mind of all minds i mean a brilliant brilliant uh offensive or defensive guy like say like a sean mcveigh or andy reed go ahead i mean sean payton go ahead keep calling plays because you're just an absolute genius in that sense I think Jonathan Gannon, I'm not sure he's quite that level of defensive coordinator. So I think having a more managerial role in that spot, stepping back, focusing more on the overall player development on both sides of the ball, not necessarily favoring one over the other, especially when you have a young quarterback who is 
notedly volatile, like uh, like Kyler Murray is personality-wise. Hopefully, maybe as a little bit less uh, defensive-focused, Jonathan Gannon will be able to step in and kind of, um, I don't know... <sighs> I don't know what a defensive guy is necessarily going to do development-wise for for Kyler Murray. That's always been kind of the thing that stumped me about this hire. I don't think it's necessarily a bad hire. I think he's a good, I mean, barely barely acts like a human. He take. I, I feel like maybe everyone on that staff in in Philadelphia, except I mean Shane Steichen, seem relatively normal, but like. Jonathan Gannon and, and Nick Sirianni, they definitely had lots of beers before they were on the same coaching staff because they seem about of the same mind. Um, that That's neither here nor there, though. I will say, I feel like, again, harping on this a little bit more, stepping into a more managerial role when you are a head coach, I think is just beneficial for everyone because you're not so buried into the X's and O's. And you, you see guys like Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, for how brilliant they are as offensive coordinators and offensive play callers, things kind of fall by the wayside when you're so deadlocked focused on one side of the ball. Sometimes you make some weird situational errors, which they have at various times in their career. I think you see that less when you're kind of taking a bit more of a treetops game management perspective, like you do when you're in a bit more of a, as a more managerial head coach, which I guess for those people who criticized uh, Mike McCarthy's um, uh, decisions as far as timeouts were concerned at the end of the uh, the 49ers game, um, I guess that's that not really a whole lot of excuse there for him because he wasn't calling plays. I would assume that's that's definitely going to improve while he's calling plays this year, but I digress on that front. I think this is good for Jonathan Gannon. I think it's good for his relationship with the quarterback, and I think it's good for uh, keeping the job for a little bit. Not that Michael, I think Michael Bidwell is a little bit strapped for cash right now, so not sure he's willing to pay another buyout on top of the two he just paid for the enormous contract extensions they just signed last offseason that's crazy crazy dumpster fire over there in Arizona but hey good luck Jonathan Gannon I think he's taken the right steps to have success over there for what it's worth I'm interested to see how this goes I don't have high expectations but if nothing else he's taken the right steps but so I'll stay optimistic for now and we got a quick one here. Giants re-signed Isaiah Hodgins after a breakout season. I mean, not a whole lot of real free agency news. Um, I mean, Derek Carr, not really, I mean, not going to make a decision anytime soon. We'll talk about that in, in just a bit in the uh, the last second headlines that I added here. But Isaiah Hodgins, out of the um, exclusive rights, restricted free agents, yada, 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 whatever they're called, um, that have signed thus far. I mean, it's a bunch of backups for the most part, but I do think Isaiah Hodgins, I mean, he showed me something. I mean, yes, it was against the Vikings secondary, so there's only so much to be taken from it, but he just seemed like, I mean, such a good underneath route runner. I mean, such a such a good, I mean, third piece in an offense. Like, I think they they add some pieces maybe in free agency this year do the Giants, probably in the draft if I'd have to guess. But at the end of the day, I feel like, Having a guy like Isaiah Hodgins around, I mean, he really showed. I mean, all the receivers last year, I mean, Richie James, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, if nothing else, they showed you they're NFL receivers. I think they also showed you they're not number one NFL receivers, but they are NFL receivers. And having a guy around like Isaiah Hodgins that, from what I saw last year, seemed like a very, very good route runner um, at, a, at a young age. Good guy to have around, so I don't have a problem with it. Also, they're getting him for less than a million a year on a one-year contract, so... Bit of a prove it deal for him. Good value for the team for a guy that'll probably step in and be a third receiver once again. And uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. Having him as the third receiver, good. Having him as the second or first receiver, very, very bad. So, gonna have to add some people in free agency, but. If nothing else, I like him being re-signed. I like him as a player. I think he's got a at least a couple-year future here in the NFL. I think he'll make a couple million dollars when it's all said and done. So good for him. Kudos to you. Um, let's move on to the next one, though. Something a little bit more to sink my teeth into here. Is Rex Ryan going to be a defensive coordinator again? That's that's something that's been percolating over the past week. Not sure if it's going to happen. If it if it does, it's going to be for an absolute bag. But he interviewed with the Denver Broncos last week. And if you do remember, Greg Penner, the, the owner there, got some Walmart money behind him. Uh, now the richest owner in the league, from what I understand. So he has got money to throw around. I think he threw about... 17 to 20 million a year of it at Sean Payton alone. So I think 
think maybe there's a, there's a possibility. I don't think Rex Ryan is coming out for less than an entire bag. I mean, a Brinks truck size bag. Um, but Greg Penner's got that dough. I, I think he can do it. I don't know what that would look like if that's 10 million a year, 12 million a year. I mean, anywhere from 10 to 15, I would imagine would get the job done. But I don't think Rex Ryan's coming out of retirement for... 9 million say or 8 million. I think he likes his job at ESPN enough to where I don't I don't think he's moving a finger for for a lot less than what I just said there. I mean, eight eight figures is probably the line we're looking at. I don't know if if the Penner family is willing to fork over that type of cash for a defensive coordinator. I mean, for a guy like Rex Ryan, I mean, I personally, I was I was in the Baltimore area when he was the defensive coordinator up there and those defenses were re- Ridiculous. I mean, obviously they had great players, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, uh, all sorts of great other players too that, I mean, not names that pop readily to my mind because I'm not, admittedly not a Ravens fan, but they're players that were very, very good around those two absolute football geniuses on that side of the ball. And Rex Ryan was a big part of why they were so good too. I mean, they were top three in the league basically every year he was there, it felt like. Then goes over to the Jets. I mean, Everyone forgets how good of a defensive coordinator is from going to the Jets because I, I mean, I guess when it ended there, the the defense wasn't as good as when he started. But he stepped in year one and had the number one defense because I don't know. I guess he looked up and I don't know what the previous regime was doing. This was in the infancy of my football watching career. But he stepped in and was like, "Oh, we have Darrell Rivas here. That's." That's something we can do a whole lot with. We can do a lot with that, right? Yeah, 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 okay. Steps in, number one defense the next year, number one rushing offense the next year. I think they drafted, um, I think he was a running back, Sean Green. I can't remember if he was a first or second round guy, but a guy that, you know, young guy, they just gave him the ball a bajillion times. He split the backfield. I think that was a Ladanian Tomlinson Tomlinson year uh, where he came in, split the backfield with Sean Green as well. So, I think he he's not running a team either. I think that that kind of got sidetracked there. But the main thing is, as a defensive coordinator, there's a goddamn reason he got a head coaching job. And it's because every defense he ran, I mean, let's face it, he's his father's son, man. He is a damn good defensive coordinator. And I'm sure, I mean, all of that football knowledge just oozing out of every pore from Buddy Ryan's body, I am sure... That Rex Ryan, obviously Rob Ryan too, got a little bit of that. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not pulling the 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 nepotism card here, obviously. But at the at the same time, I think being in the household with a literal defensive genius makes you a little bit more inclined to be a defensive genius yourself if you find a passion for it as well, which Rex Ryan clearly did at the end of the day. So. I don't know. That that's all to say if if Rex Ryan comes back into the league, he'd still be a top 5 defensive coordinator, I'd say. I think I mean being in that that TV job, he's watched a ton of film, I would imagine, um just by doing that job. So he's still up to date with how the offenses run. I think he has an idea of what he would do to stop a lot of these offenses. I uh, if they throw a bag at him and they get Rex Ryan, that's that is Maybe the best one-two combo, Sean Payton, Rex Ryan in the entire league. I mean, big personalities in that locker room. Let me tell you what. I mean, Rex Ryan ain't afraid to speak his mind. And let me tell you, neither is Sean Payton, man. That would be a that would be a fun. I mean, get hard knocks in there. Get the hard knocks in season in, with the Denver Broncos. I mean, that would have been sad last year. But in this year, upcoming 2023, that would be just, that would be great television right there. I mean, I'm not trying to make decisions over at HBO and also... Sean Payton doesn't necessarily seem like the type of guy that would let a camera crew inside the locker room in, in, during the season. Uh, but hey, if if the NFL comes a knocking and says, you're going to fucking do this, I think he's going to fucking do it. So either way, I've been, I've been kind of rambling on at this point, but I would love to see Rex Ryan back in the league as a defensive coordinator or a head coach for that matter. I don't know if he's necessarily cut out to be a head coach, but he's a walking soundbite. So I, I, I love to have the guy just in and around a mic generally. I think he's going to have a mic in front of him if he is a defensive coordinator, so that's all I ask. I think he'd be uh, a damn good defensive coordinator in the league right now. And also, by the way, they do have Patrick Sertain out there, a little bit reminiscent of a guy that he started with in New York, and I'll leave it at that. Um, after exhausting about 50 other options down there in Tampa, the Bucks have finally hired QB coach for the Seahawks, Dave Canales? Canales? Probably should have looked up the pronunciation beforehand, but 
good podcast host. Here I am. Um, he's going to be the offensive coordinator there down in Tampa. And they got through 50 options there. But I'll tell you what, when it was all said and done, not a bad hire. Not a bad. I mean, just look at what happened with Geno Smith this year. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the offense uh, and Shane Waldron calling the plays there to a certain extent. But a lot, I mean, the guy that worked with him every day has got to get some credit out of that. Dave Canales did a damn good job down there. And I think he can translate a little bit of that Shane Waldron offense down there with the with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he's going to have less income tax, so that's going to be sweet. Big pay bump and no state income tax. That's going to be a good time. Also being down there in Florida, can't ever complain about that. So Dave Canales living a good life. And Tampa Bay, when it's all said and done, not a bad hire. Not a bad hire at all. Um, next order of business, who's going to be the quarterback? And um, if you can answer that question, you must be a clairvoyant, my friend, because I, Kyle Trask, are, 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 are any of the people down in Tampa excited to see Kyle Trask? I know the, co- the, the coaching staff certainly wasn't because whenever they had an opportunity, uh, Kyle Trask was uh, inactive generally. Third-string quarterback, um, usually just, just riding the bench down there, and they'd have Blaine Gabbert come out, and we know who Blaine Gabbert is. <laughs> we, we know who Blaine Gabbert is. So if Blaine Gabbert is better than Kyle Trask, I don't know if I have a whole lot of faith in Kyle Trask. I certainly don't have a whole lot of faith in Blaine Gabbert. I mean, I guess the, the Vikings dodged the bullet that one year when I I wanted them. I mean, back in little middle school, Caleb just... Young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, bright-eyed. I don't. I don't know what I'm. What I'm even thinking. I mean, maybe I was even in early high school. Doesn't matter either way. Young kid doesn't know how the world works yet. I'm saying, let's go. Let's draft Blaine Gabbert. He's got a good frame. He can run. He's gonna be an NFL quarterback. So we dodged that bullet and drafted Christian Ponder. That worked out better, didn't it? Um, either way, that's all to say. Think they might draft someone this year, <laughs> or they're going to bring in someone in free agency. I think this is. This, I said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, basically every team in in the NFC South is going to at least try to court Derek Carr's services. I mean, at least try. Except for maybe, and this is a maybe. Maybe Atlanta sticks with Desmond Ritter. They did just draft him last year. He made market improvements in every single start he had having a whole off season as the starter, I think he's going to end up playing well down there just because of all the experience he had in college. Maybe not the most accurate guy in the world in college, but at the same time, a guy that showed steady improvement was a very, very good, not, not a great quarterback, a very, very good quarterback in college made good decisions. I think if, the model he should look at is Jalen Hurts. I think he can make some sort of jump like that just because he's got similar intangibles. I think he's a very good leader, very good locker room guy. I think he's a guy that his teammates kind of gravitate towards. Obviously, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of this. Just from what I've seen in college, those teams won and they won a lot and they won based on his leadership to a large extent. He was sorely missed whenever he, he left into the NFL draft last year. So, I think they stick probably stick with Desmond Ritter, but outside of that, Panthers, Saints, uh, Bucks certainly. I think all of those teams are going to be in the market for a quarterback in free agency, and I'm not sure any of them are going to get a quarterback in free agency because I don't know what's going to happen with the Jets. That seems like the front runner for like basically everyone I can think of uh, as far as free agent quarterbacks, which is basically just. Derek Carr and a bunch of dudes. I mean, sure, you can you can include Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones, but that's, you know, you can live over there in fantasy land if you want to. Here in reality, where those guys are um, probably going to be franchise tagged, both of them, um, pretty much just Derek Carr when it's all said and done. Can I interest you in a Taylor Heineke? That's, that's pretty much an, the only other option right now. Uh, can I interest you in a Carson Wentz? That worked out pretty well for the last two, three all of his stops in the NFL so far. So I, I, go go right ahead. I think Derek Carr is the best guy on the market and the best situation for a quarterback right now when you include everything. And I'm not necessarily sold in the offensive coordinator, but that's neither here nor there. It's the Jets. They've got offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. They got a couple solid weapons outside of that offensive rookie of the year. They got CJ Uzama over there. Got a solid offensive line. It's a ready-made situation. They could have been a playoff team last year and they had no quarterback. So 
all they really need is a serviceable starting quarterback, a lot like the Vikings were when they signed Kirk Cousins. All they need is a serviceable starting quarterback, and they're right there in the playoff race in the AFC. I don't know how far they're going to get with, with Derek Carr, but I think just being better and making the playoffs is a hell of a start. I don't think Derek Carr is by any stretch of the imagination a long-term option in a lot of these these situations but he's a i mean a lot like kirk cousins you're gonna have to pay a lot you're gonna have to pay a premium for it but probably one of the better bridge quarterbacks in the nfl a guy that'll keep the ship afloat not only keep the ship afloat keep the ship running smooth i'll say and until you get a guy in there that you really like that's young that you can kind of usher into that role and see if you can make him into a superstar i feel like he could fit that role very well and obviously the number one situation out of all out of all those i named is going to be the jets like i just said for all the reasons i just and then wilson garrett wilson that that wide receiver he is a freak the fact that he got 11, 1,200 yards last year with the quarterbacks that he was thrown to basically made hardly any statistical impact until White Mike came in the game and started feeding him the ball, and then all of a sudden he started popping off. I mean, he was dominant down the stretch. He might be a problem next year. I mean, already maybe a top 10 uh, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's t- top five because it's only one year, but he could be a top 10 wide receiver as soon as next year. I mean, that's just a great situation to step into. But Aaron Rodgers is going to have a, a, something to say about that as well. I started with the Bucks offensive coordinator here. Um, don't know how I got on that tangent about Derek Carr and, and all the, the, the Jets whatever situation. But, uh, hey, Dave Canales, just remember that Seahawks quarterback coach. I think he's going to be a pretty good hire there. I just don't know what he's going to have to work with. I mean, the Bucks might be the number one overall pick next year. They have a putrid team. They have, a, I mean, a bunch of guys that you've heard of from the Super Bowl run that are not as good as when they were on that Super Bowl run that have big old salaries. The only one that I would say that has maintained the level is Mike Evans. Outside of that, I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's not bad either. Outside of that, they have an aging roster and um, no quarterback. That's not a good situation right there. Todd Bowles has got his work cut out for him down in Tampa. I wish him all the luck in the world. And Jesus, even with me talking in circles like I have been, we are just, just pew, 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 Jonathan Gannon. Uh, pew, pew, pew laser noises we're taking shots downfield um just taking shots at all of these headlines man i'm taking them quick 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 uh speaking of which last headline i got on the sheet here before i move over to the phone headlines um jags wide receiver calvin ridley applied for reinstatement after being suspended for all of the 2022 season and it's an indefinite suspension so they don't have to let him in but i will remind you he was suspended for basically i mean I don't know that he has a gambling problem, you would say, because he's only played he's only been caught placing one bet. Maybe there were other bets beyond that, but at the same time, he basically got an indefinite suspension because um he's an idiot. That that's the best way to describe it. And I understand the indefinite suspension because he did some shit you just can't do. And I'm not saying he he murdered anyone. I mean, for God's sake, no. But what he did do was is bet on NFL games, and he wasn't in the lineup. He was taking uh, personal leave or something at the beginning of last season. That whole season last year with the Atlanta Falcons is just strange, 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 strange. I mean, started with him being away from the team, then he's suspended for however many games that that was. I mean, for the, the end of the season essentially. And then he gets traded down to Jacksonville, which I. Hey, by the way, did you remember? He got traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. Calvin Ridley, a Jacksonville Jaguar. How about that? Bet bet many of you did not remember that. I didn't remember it until I saw that he was applying for reinstatement. So, I think he's not a bad guy. I think we could all just kind of get that out of the way now. He got suspended because... It's, it's an integrity of the game thing. Sometimes you have to make example of a person uh, just so nobody tries that dumb shit again, especially with the prevalence of sports gambling. It's even more, 
it's even more of a factor than it used to be with how commonplace it is now that you need to keep your athletes separate from the gambling side while there are they are playing because there are serious um, ethics concerns with that. So I understand the NFL looking at this situation, they're like, we need to make sure no one tries this shit again. So we are going to put a thousand pound hammer directly on the crown of uh, of Calvin Ridley's head just to make, ex- I mean, just like Negan in The Walking Dead. Spoiler alert, didn't tell you which character it was though, but it's it's been years now. I mean, we all we all know it was Glenn, okay? Um, either way, that's, that's basically what the NFL just did to Calvin Ridley last year. I think he comes back and this wide receiver core with Calvin Ridley, get this shit right here. Calvin Ridley at the number one. Christian Kirk at the number two, Zay Jones at the number three. And if they can bring him back, only was on a one-year deal last year, so there's no guarantee that they will. But if they can bring him back, Evan Ingram at the tight end. And, oh, by the way, you had a guy that was heralded as one of the best quarterback prospects of the last generation, essentially, in Trevor Lawrence as your young quarterback. This Jaguars team could be a runaway favorite to take the, the the Southern Division this year. I'm hesitant to do so because the Jags is the Jags, but I think this past year, I think they kind of shed a little bit of that Jags stink. Like they put on a little bit of cologne. They took a shower for God's sake. I mean, it's been years. You got it. You got to take a shower at some point. I know you're living your best Florida man life, but I mean, it seems like they washed a little bit of that that Jaguars filth off them. Um I think they won a playoff. I could be wrong. No, no, no. They did win a playoff game. Yeah, because they they played the Chiefs in the second round. So, I mean, this is this is this could be a hell of a season for the Jags coming. I mean, that could be easily like a top five offense. Like I didn't even mention one of the best young backs in the league right now. Travis Etienne is coming back as the as the starting running back, and they got a stable of backs behind him too. This could be as soon as next year a top five offense. The defense, I guess they'll probably just draft another edge rusher because that's what they do every goddamn year. But because they draft edge rushers every goddamn year, they have a scary pass rush right now. And Truthfully, I don't know a damn thing about their secondary, but they had an opportunistic defense last year, especially towards the end of the year, creating turnovers. Not the most, I mean, effective defense at stopping teams, but they were a young defense too. So I think, I think this could be a team next year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, that come out and surprise some people. I think there's a good chance they just run away with the South altogether. Um, I do think the AFC South will be better than it was last year, though that's a pretty low bar to clear. I I do think the Jags might be in the leader of the pack, though. They're really trending in a, in a good direction. How fortuitous that Doug Peterson, things went the way they did at the end, all weird with the Eagles. He gets fired. I, I think he takes a year off or just jumps right into the job. I can't remember quite, quite frankly, but he steps into this Jacksonville Jaguars job and right away. I mean, he he gets he inherits one of the best quarterback prospects of the last generation. I mean, how fortuitous that he just fell right to him essentially and I don't think they're going to let him go for maybe the next 9 10 years or so. I think he's going to end up being the best head coach that the Jaguars have ever had when it's all said and done. So just goes to show with how weird and crazy things ended with the Eagles, with all the chaos, with Nate Sudfeld starting over Jalen Hurts in the final game of the year, Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz for that matter, matter in the final final game of the year. It, it can all turn around in your favor and if you just go to a different change of scenery. Who would have thought that change of scenery would be the Jacksonville Jaguars, though? I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried this could all come crashing down. But for right now, I am seeing through some rose-tinted glasses, and I am loving what is what is coming to my eyes uh, down there in Jacksonville, out in the football stadium. I mean, outside of it, it is it is a beautiful shit show. But in the football stadium, we're seeing some beautiful, beautiful things start to happen over there. I just uh, I just hope the cons don't mess it up. That, that's basically the only thing I can say about that. And we are just moving on over to the late additions to the show. I just threw together some headlines this morning and uh, got another three, four, yeah, four headlines, one uh, one little pick segment, a little surprise. 
surprise there for the end of the show. I will save that for that. But uh, first of these uh, late edition headlines here, um, did you all hear Nate Oates, Alabama head coach, the guy whose name I could not remember? I was wondering how he got the team um, at Alabama with how terrible they've been historically at basketball. I was wondering how he got them so good so fast. And apparently the answer is loose morals. That's, that's you know what, that'll... That'll get you a long way for a long time until um, something like Darius Miles happens. And um, he just completely, he got confronted with, there was some, this requires a little bit of background here because I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're a bit kind of buried in the football a little bit more than the basketball side of things, especially college basketball. And I can't blame you. It's not a not an awesome product, but they, they play hard. They play much harder than the pros do, and that's all you can really ask of the young fellers. But neither here nor there. The main gist of this is, I can't remember, I think it was a couple months ago, in the very midst of the football season to where it just kind of fell by the wayside for many people. Um, I think one of the best players in the team, I don't know if he was... Um, a very big-time contributor. Darius Miles, though, um, committed a murder, pretty much. I mean, allegedly, allegedly, I don't think he's been convicted, but uh, apparently um, had a gun, committed a murder on some poor, unfortunate woman. And the big thing for right now is... He didn't get that gun himself. That That's the main thing. Someone else on the team brought it to him. That someone, according to police testimony, was Brandon Allen, who is the best player on the on, on the on the Alabama Crimson Tides team right now. So rightfully, I think a lot of reporters who are in the in the in the little media scrum there after that little bit of testimony came out to the public eye were saying, hey, are are you worried that Maybe your 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 star player, best player on the team, might be catching an accessory to murder charge here in the in the next couple of weeks or so, and um, he basically just said like, <laughs> I I mean essentially he just said along the lines of ah we we heard about that we knew that which first off pause pot you knew you knew that your best player provided a murder weapon and that's just been it's just been kosher <laughs> that that. that. That's just been, oh, yeah, yeah, he's been playing well. So, yeah, he he gave that guy a gun one time, and that guy took that gun and shot some poor woman with it. But, uh, you know, he's pretty good at basketball, you know. I mean, he could, he could still keep playing, right? Wild, wild. But that's not, that's not all he said either. I mean, he's basically just like, yeah, we, we can't control what, what guys do when they're not practicing. Um, we knew about that. Can't control it, though. We, we hate it. Um, just, just pray for the kid, pray for, pray for Brandon Allen, pray for Darius, Darius, uh, miles. And, um, I, I will say, hell, if I ever commit a serious crime and, and I have a boss that, that needs to vouch for me, Nate Oates, about the top of the list of guys I want. I mean, that's a, that is a play down of an accessory to murder charge we're talking about right now. I mean, that is wild absolutely what i mean a terrible terrible response i mean not even like a question of like hey should you should you suspend this guy for maybe providing a murder weapon uh just just a thought well and he didn't say this this is me editorializing but i mean just 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 doing an impression well um we could that's that's a good point you bring up there but um who who would uh who would score the points like that who I mean, he's good. He he's so good. I mean, we can we can sweep that under the rug, right? I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. And I mean, to to his credit, that's a formula that many many a great um, morally questionable college dynasties have been built on. I mean, Nebraska back in the '90s. I mean, they were just juicing left and right. You think they were all just corn fed boys down there? No. No, the juice was running like water from the taps down there in Lincoln, Nebraska. SMU, pony excess, need I say any more? So, hey, maybe, maybe this is how you build a dynasty in the college ranks uh, in a place that hasn't necessarily seen that type of success before. So, I mean, that that could be it. That that, that, that could be why they're, they're being so successful. Um, I just don't know where Alabama goes from from here. Um, is, is Nate Oates going to put out an apology for that reaction? Um, are they gonna suspend Brandon Allen at any point? 
Didn't seem like it from the press conference. So, I mean, that's going to be an uncomfortable little situation for the announcers to just kind of skirt, 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 skirt right around in the uh, in the broadcast there. Because they will be a one seed. They'll be on that one side, one uh, one line come the, the NCAA tournament. Make no mistake about it. Uh, and it's going to be hard not to talk about how, as, as Brandon Allen's dropping 30 on some poor 16 seed, you remember that time where he he brought a unfortunate situation. He he brought a brought a gun into the locker room and and you know gave it to a teammate and that teammate went and killed somebody. Like that's that is wild. That that is wild. Just from, I mean, from if you take out like the pure like that's a what why is that guy playing? He might be an accessory to murder. He might be charged with accessory to murder when it when it's all said and done. Um. Outside of just that, like like the whole like moral standpoint, if you just take that out of it from a pure PR perspective, I mean you're harboring you're harboring a suspected criminal. What are you doing? You think Alabama wants to be known as the place where you should send all of your criminals? Like what what is going on? Like you can't be you, you can't just look like you're coming down. If if you let this go, what else are you going to let go? Is that I mean that's basically what you're allowing the fans, the people watching at home. That's basically what you're where you're allowing their minds to water. Like hey, wonder like hey if they if he's letting, I mean a guy providing a murder weapon a go like, what else is being swept under the rug over there? Like what's going on over there in in Tuscaloosa? I mean that I'm I'm sure to a certain extent. That's kind of how the whole thing was unearthed down in, in Baylor and all that stuff. I And I'm not saying that's what's happening with, with Alabama, but I'm saying if this is getting swept under the rug, it's right to question just what kind of culture is being run down there in Alabama. Obviously a winning one, obviously one that attracts very, very good players right now. But um, w- worth questioning the leadership in this case because I think objectively you could say this is this has been a poor display of leadership in this situation. I guess sticking up for your guys, but this is not a situation where you should even, I I mean, it shouldn't even be a, be a question. It should be suspended indefinitely and you should just be saying no comment. It's a further, it's a, it's a, a pending legal matter, I guess, is the way to, is, is, is the way to term it. You, You just can't have that guy around the program, but that's, uh, obviously, I think pretty much everyone in the nation outside of Tuscaloosa feels that way. So I am, I mean, that's going to be, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it'd be one thing if they were like a borderline NIT t- team, like not even sniffing the postseason, but as a one seed, that's going to be, that's going to be a hard one to skirt around for the, for the broadcasters, man. This is going to be getting a little bit uncomfortable over the next couple weeks, uh, going into March madness, but I'm, I'm all here for it. So, uh, moving on to the next headline, uh, franchise tag window now open. So see guys like Orlando Brown down in KC, um, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, Daniel Jones, maybe Saquon Barkley, even if they can't get a long-term deal done there, um, with New York, uh, all sorts of options there. Just, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing more of that coming in. Also, this, this seems to be about the time, like I, I guess new league year starting up here soon. Seems to be about the time that uh, teams are starting to let guys go. Uh, I think Taylor Lewan just got cut today as I'm recording this. Um, Robert Woods got cut there in Tennessee as well. Just that I, I assume, like I said before, I think Carson Wentz probably going to get cut because the they can probably save. I I want to say like twenty some million in in cap hit if they if they part ways with Carson Wentz and he wasn't very good for them last year when he played uh, up there with the commies. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, we're going to be seeing the free agency pool expand a little bit over the over the coming weeks. Uh, or really days. Uh, so keep an eye on that. That's a quick little headline there. Um, what I'm going to stop on a little bit longer. I touched on it a little bit in relation to that meandering rant on the Tampa Bay Bucks offensive coordinator hire, but um, as expected, or as I expected anyways, Derek Carr's free agency will be a marathon, not a sprint. And that is um, not exact wording, but that's according to Derek Carr's brother, David Carr, who you may remember being, I believe the first 
draft pick of the the Houston Texans. Maybe not the first draft pick. Maybe that was Mario Williams. But um, David Carr didn't come far behind if he wasn't the first draft pick. Oh, I don't even remember. But you, you get it. He, he's a guy that's been in that situation before. Number one overall pick uh, back in his day. Got absolutely killed when he was with the Texans. I think he's a very... I mean, that's just an asset to have in the household, quite frankly. Having a brother that's not only been there, but been there at the highest levels when he was when he was in it, right? So having that guy as someone to bounce ideas off of, someone to be a confidant, and I, part of the brain trust in this whole process of, of picking a destination to go, because he will have, I mean, once the Aaron Rodgers domino falls, whenever he gets out of darkness here, I think he's probably... Um, well, definitely already out of the darkness at this point, I would imagine. I don't I don't know what if he's come to a decision from sitting in the darkness. Um, he is if nothing if not indecisive, so I don't think he probably has, but hope he had a good time sitting in the dark for the time he did. Um, once that domino falls, though, Derek Carr is going to be the bell of the ball. He will have his pick of options. He'll have probably six-ish offers on the, on the table, if I had, I mean, maybe even more. I, I would imagine there's a lot of teams out there. Really, there's only... Four 15 guys getting paid starting quarterback money that leaves 17 other openings pretty much for guys to come in and, and make starting level quarterback money uh bottom half of the league teams when, when it's all said and done so i would expect Derek Carr to get ample ample interest in free i mean obviously stating the obvious there but he's going to take his time with it. That that seems to be the gist. I think he's waiting on Aaron Rodgers to make a decision and the, the Green Bay Packers to make a decision at that on whether they want to keep him or or ship him off down the line. Um it's going to be interesting though. I don't I don't think I think there's a lot of different skill position pieces that are going to hit the market and be signed before Derek Carr makes a decision here. Like I don't I honestly don't expect Derek Carr to make a decision before like free agency proper opens up. I think that's in early March, first or second week of March. I think he's probably going to extend this for a long, long time. Meet with basically every team that he sees. Like, okay, yeah, I could, I could see myself being there. And um, a lot like a like a, a high school recruiting sort of thing for like a five star recruit. He's just going to sit down at the end of the day. Look at the offers he gets and uh, just be like, all right, I'm going to go to insert name here, whether it's the the Jets, uh, the the Saints, Bucks, Panthers. I'm sure there's many, many others among the suitors there outside of the, the NFC South, but I think it's it's not it, it's not going to be a uh, a short process here. That's the main gist of, of what I think is about to happen here. So best of luck to him. Uh, last headline here. I'm jeez. I'm really cutting this one short, aren't I? Eh, about twelve minutes. Let's let's see if I can stretch this to an hour. I don't know if I have enough uh, rage in my body or annoy. Not really rage, just annoyance in my body uh, to to really stretch this one out too much. But um, really didn't even think I was going to bring it up on the show. But um, seems to be something that you know a, a certain certain breed of of, of journalist or opinion columnist has has picked up and started to run with a little bit and um run with it in a way that doesn't make a whole lot i mean i guess if you just look at it on the surface level makes a whole lot of sense but um at the end of the day i just figured i'd, I'd stop down here because i feel like it's getting a little bit out of control Deion sanders basically just said the quiet part out loud and what am i talking about um Allow me to 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 almost said demonstrate. Allow me to elaborate on what I'm I'm talking about here. Deion Sanders, you may not have heard these quotes. You may not have seen the quotes. I don't know what podcast he was. I think it might have been Jordan Schultz podcast or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily matter to me, quite frankly. The what matters is the quotes themselves. Um, he said something along the lines of um, when he was asked about what kind of players he's looking for 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 different positions. I think he said something about uh, quarterbacks he needs really really smart like th- three point five or better GPA. Uh, parents that love him, two parents, good good upbringing, maybe a, maybe a coach's son, uh, someone that's been coached. Uh, from a young age, very disciplined. That's what I want. Uh, defensive lineman, I want exact opposite. Single mothers, I, I want guys that are that are hungry, want to get their mom up out the hood. That that mom barely made the flight, basically. Um, offensive lineman, I think he said, I want um, 
smart guys again like at least 3.3 gpa parents that love them basically that's that's the gist of it essentially i don't know what the other classifications for the for the different positions were but you get it it's basically just kind of uh character classification um People on the internet, specifically some guy at Deadspin, who I'm not really going to say his name because, again, this is exactly what they want you to do. They, they they want you to spread their name around so they get traffic on their article and whatnot. But I'll just, I'll give you the gist. He basically just said Deion Sanders was perpetuating racial stereotypes by by putting this stuff out there. Um, it's it's the, the same, by their standards, it's the same, same excuses used to keep black black quarterbacks from starting in the NFL for however many years and years and years on end, which there is, there is something to be said about that because for a long time, I think black quarterbacks were kind of pigeonholed into this, this one area. You got to be a pocket passer. Otherwise you're useless to us. And there is, there is something fair to that, but also the guy shot himself in the foot here. Obviously he didn't do his research beforehand because he just said, and this is coming off a Super Bowl where we had two black quarterbacks for the first time ever. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts playing each other. It really flies in the face of what he's saying, doesn't it? Except for when you look into the background of Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes way, I know it's a long, long time ago, hard to go all the way back that way, but me, being a DoorDash driver, sitting in my car, usually I'm driving, but I found enough time between driving to look up a little factoid on Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. And let me let me just give you a little bit of the resume here. Pat Mahomes, 3.9 GPA in high school, two parents that loved him very, very much. Jalen Hurts, don't know what his mom was doing. I imagine she was a very, very good mother. I don't know what the whole family situation is there, but what I do know and also could not find Jalen Hurts' GPA. It was very readily available for Pat Mahomes. It wasn't very readily available for Jalen Hurts. Don't know, neither here nor there. But also, he was a coach's son. Exactly what Deion Sanders is talking about. And again, this guy's saying it perpetuated racial stereotypes. Maybe if we're talking like 90s, early 2000s, I might give it to you. But at the same time as well, are we also discounting that there are white single mothers out there? Are we just discounting the Derek Wolfs of the world? That's Are there not white defensive linemen? Are there not black offensive linemen? Are there not black quarterbacks now? I, it's, a, it's a very lazy argument for a guy that said it was lazy takes. Also, and that's just the first part of it, just, just the, the, the sheer stupidity of the, of the argument itself saying it's, it's perpetuating racial stereotypes or whatnot. The second part of it is... If you think that Deion Sanders is only using this, these little, I mean, what these are, these are character evaluation uh, measures. It's not like, it's not the be all end all. These are just like, get a snapshot of what this guy's character might be like before we enter the home and talk to this kid face to face, see what he's got. If you think he's just using those little little character measures to get players, you are, and listen carefully, an idiot. That's not at all what any college... It's a differentiator. That, and by differentiator, I mean if you got two guys of basically equivocal talent and you just can't find a way to separate the two... At the end of the day, that's a character thing. You just look back at it and say... All right, in this situation, I guess if all else is equal and he's got the certain background I'm looking for, because it's not just the background. It's it's not just the background. It's the type of mentality that a background breeds. And also, by the way, do you just think there's no poor white folks? You, you think you think poverty is just a ju, 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 just a dark person's problem? I think there there's a lot of people in poverty out here. I will I will grant you that white people historically have had a little bit better opportunities because they look like someone that the people making hires could have a, a beer with, if you will. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that didn't get the benefit of the doubt because there's there's some Cletus looking motherfuckers. So. Think about those guys too. At the I mean, there is it's an it's an irrational argument to say that I mean not irrational. Don't want to go that far. It's it's very rational, but it's not an accurate or genuine argument to say that this is perpetuating racial stereotypes. What this is is saying okay, this kid had this background. 
What would that turn a kid into? Because nature, nurture, at the end of the day, your environment matters so, so much in your upbringing. You, yes, you person listening out there, you may have grown up in a very good situation and you might be, I mean, you know, you might have some anger issues or something like that. You, you might just, you, you might be angry at the world sometimes. You know what? If you grew up in a, in a worse situation with parents that didn't love you, you might be an abject psychopath. That's, that's just the, the nature of how bringing up children goes sometimes. And as such, the environment you grow up in matters a lot. And frankly, what Deion Sanders is saying is I want defensive linemen that are trying to kill people, which as a defensive lineman, some, it's a, it's a quality you certainly would like to have, quite frankly. I think you want aggressive defensive linemen. You want very smart, very educated offensive, maybe not very educated or very smart, but you want guys that can think very well on the offensive side. Maybe not looking that for that so much on the defensive side. I mean, it's, it's all just character profiling. And at the end of the day, He's not picking guys that are less talented because they fit his quote-unquote character profile more. At the end of the day, if it's between a guy that is talented as all get-out, I mean, you can probably make it work with him, but doesn't quite fit your stereotypical mold character-wise. And the alternative is a less talented guy that fits your character mold to a T. If you got to choose between one of them, Deion Sanders would be an idiot not to choose the more talented guy. And oh, by I mean, just judging by his recruiting classes in the in the transfer portal, and I mean, just getting Cormani McLean the what the way he did, I don't think he's a fool when it comes to evaluating talent. And I think he's willing to put some morals to the side to get some players that you, the fans out there, would very much want. Um, I don't know. I'm not even sure where where I can even end that off. But Deion Sanders isn't perpetuating racial stereotypes. He's not saying anything that this is another thing too. You think Deion Sanders is the only coach that's saying this? He just said the quiet part out loud. That's basically all he did. What he should have said out loud is, "We want to bring in guys that fit our culture, so we can mold them into great young men." Basically. You want the guys that you're looking for character-wise so you can develop them and you know that they have what it takes to develop themselves into very good players. That's the bottom line. That's long and short what it is right there. There's no racial anything behind. I mean, my God, his son's the quarterback, for God's sake. Let's let's put it to rest here. And I guess that's another that's another thing in his his article too. He said that his his own sons wouldn't be um even on the team by that criteria. Again. It's it's just a character evaluation thing, man. It's at the end of the day, if you're going talent versus character, at Colorado, you don't have a whole lot of room to choose the character over talent, quite frankly, because the character guy, probably not as talented as the other guy when it's all said and done. So that's, that's basically the gist of it. Deion Sanders is a goddamn college coach, guys. We can't be holding these guys to high, high moral standards. He's here to win and he's made no bones about it. And, uh, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that before I just rant on again. Uh, anyways, we stretched that to about an hour. That was a good little episode there. That is, that is it. That's all for this episode. If you enjoyed, subscribe to the five star rings. We can grow this bad boy a little bit. If you didn't enjoy it, uh, take that opinion, shove it up your ass and then lay down and die in 40, 50 years ago, live long and prosper, all that stuff. And uh, tell no one. Take it to the grave. Tell people you loved it anyways. Your whole life with that opinion just lodged straight between your butt cheeks, all right? Uh, I release episodes two times a week, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday during the off-season. Really no telling what I'll get into in either episodes. I mean, it was basketball on Tuesday. I was back to football headlines, loosely structured on Thursday. No telling. No telling what's going to happen here, but I will tell you what's going to happen. Two episodes a week, maybe a gambling stream coming in the next month or so. Stay, stay, stay tuned. Easy for me to say. Either way, could be good, could be terrible. Tune in to find out, I suppose. Follow me on all my socials at Caleb Burzak. Link will be in the description so you don't have to spell my fucked up Eastern Block name. 
Um, if you want to contact the show, I mean, first off, you can shoot me a DM. I'll probably be more responsive that way. Uh, you can also shoot me an email at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That is unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Just put business or show in all caps to start the subject line or just put business or show in. I mean, no one follows those directions anyway, so maybe I should just remove that part. But either ways, uh, hopefully you can be categorized accordingly. If not, um suck it i guess yeah i don't know either way thank you so much for tuning in to unqualified analysis and as always i have got no clue what i'm talking about but hey i'll tell you what i did a damn good job today either way one thing i learned this week you probably already know that christopher columbus was not spanish though he had a fleet of spanish ships when well he was at the head of a fleet of of spanish ships when he discovered the new world in 1492 a good old columbus sailing the ocean blue down there we already know but Contrary to what most of us were taught, he also was not Portuguese. I was taught that in middle school, whenever I was first taught at elementary school, all the way up to high school, people were saying, this, this motherfucker is Portuguese. Not true. Historians now believe that Columbus hailed from Genoa in modern-day Italy, and that's another dub for the Italian diaspora. I mean, you know, outside of the, obviously, fuck shit he did, you know, the, the, the rape, the pillage, the murder, the, the spreading of European diseases, you know, I mean, outside of that stuff, W, I mean, tell a proud Italian to, to make their day a little bit brighter, um, so yeah, there you go, have a good one on that, I mean, <laughs> somber note, I suppose.